Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Terrio Media. Broadcasting from Terrio Studios in Glendale, California, it's time for Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. Hello. And welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing, the place where I show people how to escape the rat race using real estate. And if you're just getting started and or you're looking for new and creative ways of making money in real estate, I've put together a free course just for you, including a checklist on how to find motivated sellers. Those are, those are property owners that are willing and able to sell you their property at a discount. So to access that free course, go to freerealestateinvestingcourse.com. Don't go to free real estate course. People go there by accidentally. It's free real estate investing course.com. All right. Yesterday, we're resuming this week on returning back to the basics. And we discussed yesterday that the basics of simply finding the deal. We went over your core beliefs as a real estate investor, the tools needed, um, the necessities of getting motivated and sellers to, to contact you, to get your phone to ring, to get your inbox to fill up. If, if you missed yesterday's episode, you're going to want to go back and listen to that one. And then you can catch up here because today... We're going to go over what to do once your phone does start ringing, and it will. And then we're going to go over how to secure the deal. So if your phone isn't ringing, there's nothing for you to learn here. So make sure you listen to yesterday's episode so that motivated sellers will ring your phone that they'll call you. Alrighty, so leads are coming in, right? The phone is ringing, the emails are flowing. What do you say to these people? Okay, so first thing is first, most of the people that contact you will not be motivated sellers. Most of them will not be. I mean, what we're finding this past year is there's at least one deal within every 100 seller inquiries. So you're going to get 100 phone calls, basically, is what that means, 100, um, 100 uh, seller inquiries. And maybe five of those might be, like, really motivated, and one of those is going to be a deal, at least one, right? So it's 100 for um, at least one deal within every 100 seller inquiries, whether that's 100 phone calls or 100 emails or any combination thereof. Those are kind of the numbers we, we've noticed this last year. So expect most of the people you talk to to not be motivated enough to meet your minimum deal standards. If you know that that's the likely reality, then this process is going to go much easier for you. It's going to be a lot less frustrating for you. So you know you you're, you, you made 20 calls today. No one was motivated. Hey, doing it right. Got to get 100 of them, right, before we find that one deal. All right, so the phone rings. What do you say? Well, there are countless approaches to what you could say and how you say it. There are a lot of right ways to do this. I'll just let you know how we do it. We don't operate from a script. 
but we do stay within a framework, a conversation framework, understanding that the purpose of every call is to build rapport and set an appointment in order to present the offer. That's the purpose of that first call. So we work within a framework and our whole goal on that very first call is just to build rapport, just to make a friend, let them know, hey, we're your problem solver, you're your neighborhood problem solver. And uh, the whole intent is just to make an appointment so you can get in a position to present an offer. That's our mission for every call, to build rapport and set an appointment in order to present an offer. So this is how we do it. Our conversations with sellers, they stick within this specific framework and it's woven among these three basic questions. One, tell me about your situation. We've actually changed that. Uh, it still works, nothing nothing wrong with it. But we just kind of like, when we get the call now, we're just like, why me, why now? Hello, thanks for calling, uh, why us and why'd you call now? So that's how we get more into their why. That's really what that call is for. So tell me about your situation or why me, why now? Number two is what would you like to have happen, right? So what do you wanna have happen here? And then uh, if I could make that happen, how soon do you need to sell? That's the third question. So. And, uh, you know, with, the, with also within those three questions, if it doesn't come out in the conversation, because typically it always comes out in the conversation, but before we hang up, we'll ask, so how much would you like to get for your property? We want the seller to state that price first. We want to know what their expectations are. We want, we know if we can give the seller what they want, we'll get what we want, but we need to know what they want. I don't want to plant that or suggest that. I want to know what they want up front because sometimes they want a lot less than you think they would want. Okay, but um, so if we know what the seller wants, we can get what we want, but we don't know what they want until they tell us. So we want the seller to state their price first, knowing that number is really important part of the process in uh, knowing what they want. Okay, so back to simplicity. Let's stick to a framework, not so much a script. You may know your script backwards and forwards, but the problem here is the seller doesn't know theirs. And when they don't know theirs, it's easy to get thrown off of yours. So a framework works best, plus it's much easier to build rapport within a framework because of the flexibility that you have than it is with uh, the confines of a script. So our simple framework is tell me about your situation, why me, why now? Uh, what would you like to have happen? And if I could make that happen, how soon do you need to sell? Now there will typically be extended conversation there in between these questions, especially questions one and two. So don't necessarily have to rush to the next question. Um, you wanna take those times in between questions, take your time, build rapport, just kind of speak naturally, okay? It's just another person, that's all it is. So there'll be some time in between those questions, that's how it should be, and that'll typically mean that there's some motivation in place and that you're building rapport. Because people that don't aren't motivated, and if you're not building rapport, they're not gonna say a whole lot. But if you get them talking, that means there's some motivation there and there you're building rapport. Those are two critical components to consistently finding deals. Now, to sort the prospects from the suspects, prospects being property owners that need to sell, and suspects being property owners that want to sell. You got those that need to sell, those that want to sell. And so you're gonna be listening there for a time frame for urgency. And that's why the last question of the framework is, if I could make that happen, how soon do you need to sell? How soon do you need to sell? Now, if you hear, eh, whenever, or when you hear, oh, when I get the right price, or you're gonna hear, I'm really just curious at this point, I got this postcard, I just wanna see what this was all about. If you get those types of answers, that's a suspect. That's somebody that wants to sell or is interested in selling, and um, not necessarily, probably not someone that needs to sell. So the suspects, they go right into your follow-up bin. They go stay in the CRM and they get followed up with at a later date, okay? Now, if you hear, um, how soon do you need to sell? And you hear them say, right away, or you hear by the end of the week or the end of the month, or if you hear, I need to sell this today, then you've got a prospect and an appointment should be set, okay? An appointment should be set. 
So that's it for the phone calls. Don't overcomplicate this part. Don't be nervous about what you're saying. Don't be afraid to say the wrong thing. A lot of people get afraid of, of looking silly or being looking dumb. It's just another person on the line that called you. That's all. Further, keep in mind, they're calling for help. They have a problem and they're hoping that you can solve it. What is there to be afraid of from someone asking for help? Additionally, you are a professional shopper of deals. You are a professional investor. They are not professional sellers, okay? They have no idea what's going on. They have no idea whether you're doing this right or wrong. They'll, they'll never even know if you messed up or not, okay? So nothing to be afraid of here. Just pick up the phone, talk to them, and see if you can solve their problem, all right? After the phone call, uh, the suspects, they stay in your database for follow-up. The prospects, you set an appointment for where you can present an offer. And once that appointment is set, you want to run your quick and dirty math on the property to know where you want to be with regard to your price when you do present that offer. Okay, so quick and dirty math. Understand that this is quick and dirty math, all right? We'll clean it up later. We're gonna make it all nice and clean and, and we can do, we're gonna do slow and clean math later, but we're just doing quick and dirty math because we want to make fast decisions, right? We wanna get under contract fast. So we're gonna take fair market value, what the property's worth, we're gonna run some comps, take fair market value, multiply that by 70%. You're gonna take 70% of that number, you're gonna subtract your repairs and subtract your profit and boom, there's your offer. Fair market value times 70%, Minus repairs, minus profit, that equals your offer. Now, this is the basic structure of your quick and dirty math. It's your dirty math framework. The number that's going to adjust most of the time from market to market is the amount you initially discount. So I said 70% of fair market value, that's gonna go up and down. The initial discount, what that, what that does, a lot of people say, why 70%, why do you pick that number? Well, that initial discount represents the equity that you'd pass on to a fix and flipper if you were to wholesale it. That's really where that number comes from. Or it could represent your margin for error, or it could represent your money costs if you were going to um, fix and flip it yourself or you're gonna buy and hold it, okay? So in most cases, that discount will decrease as your property value decreases, okay? For example, if, if um, did I say that right? It's gonna decrease. If your property value decreases. No, the other way around. It's gonna decrease as your property value increases. For example, if you're in a $100,000 market, 70%, um, that, that's probably gonna be fine in that $100,000 market and below. However, if you're in a $250,000 market, you're probably gonna to have to raise that up, not be 70%, you're gonna to have to increase it a little bit. It's like 75 to 80% would probably be more fitting. Or if you're in a market where inventory is really low and demand and competition is high, that might be a reason to adjust that number up a bit too. But resist doing so, okay? Don't, just don't say it because I said I said to. Don't, don't be so flexible to just get a yes for the sake of getting yeses. Because, you know, you don't wanna just go for a yes because it's been a while since you've done a deal. Because you're dying to get your first one under your belt. No, be disciplined, be a shopper. If you flex too much, it's gonna end up not being a deal, which will be painfully revealed to you in the subsequent stages of this epic approach, okay? So still, you're a shopper, um, use your judgment there. Like I said, if you're $100,000 market, 70% is probably gonna be fine. The higher you go up in, in market value, probably the lower that's going to, the, the higher that uh, per discount is going to be. Or the, the lower the discount will be, the higher the number goes. Okay, I've just totally confused you. So if you're going up to $250,000 market, it's gonna be 75, 80%. You go up to a half a million dollar market, maybe it's 80, 85%, okay? All right, um, just be disciplined there, okay? Be, you're still a shopper. If you flex too much in that, that negotiating part, um, it could end up not being a deal. And then you got a whole other deal of or issues to work with there. 
or to deal with. All right, now the sliding scale though that I'm sharing, it's not an exact science, nor is this going to be a foolproof offer. It's just called your quick and dirty math equation for a reason. So if I confuse you a little bit, just, just ignore what I just did and don't put too much weight on this. Your goal is to merely get the property under contract within the ballpark of your quick and dirty math result or lower, okay? Your goal is just to get the property under contract with that quick and dirty math uh, equation or lower, okay? Your goal is to get every property under contract for the lowest possible price, the lowest price possible. The result of your quick and dirty math really just represents your highest offer. I feel like I should start saying that a little more often because people like, they go for that number. No, through that conversation that you're having with the seller, it could be a lot lower than that and that's perfectly okay. I will allow it. I will allow you to pay less for the property. All right. So when you go to visit the seller, you're gonna wanna have that quick and dirty number in mind. And the second number you're gonna wanna have is what the property is going to rent for. So you need your quick and dirty math number and you need to know what the property is gonna rent for. See, with these two numbers in mind, you're gonna have all of the basic information that you need to analyze for any exit strategy. And remember, you're a problem solver, right? And they and they have a problem. So if you maintain that mindset, the right words are gonna to come to you. Okay, the right equation is gonna work for you or the right equation is gonna to come to you, the right words are gonna to come to you. You're gonna get it as long as you have that quick and dirty math number and you know what the property is gonna rent for. All right, so when you arrive to the property, Continue rapport building, okay, that never stops. You want you, you want to be that person's problem solver. You want to be their friend. You're there to help them solve their problem. And then we're going to ask pro, uh, questions about the property. I recommend using a seller questionnaire of some sort or, or one you can, you know, one that you can actually read from so you don't forget anything and, and let the seller tell you everything that they know. Again, we want the seller to tell us what they know, what, what they think it's worth, what they think the repairs are needed and how much those repairs are gonna cost, what they think it would cost to fix all that stuff and get their opinions and everything that they know about the property because this is how you want to, when, when you have that information, now you can start becoming the problem solver and giving them what they want so you can get what you want. Now, when you go to present this offer, you're gonna do it, uh, you're gonna present the offer at least five times. Okay, and this is what I mean. First time, uh, I'm gonna say, Mr. Seller, the current market conditions have your properties, uh, your property's value right around $100,000. And based off what you shared with me about the repairs needed, and then making room for a small profit for myself, you're saying we're right around $65,000, is that right? Okay, so <clears throat> what I did is I just presented the offer, but I, it was their idea, because I got all the information from them. And so I'm saying, you're saying we're right around $65,000, is that right? Cool, so if they agree, then just get the contract signed, okay? And then we'll go on to the next stage. But if they if they don't agree, then you'll take the uh, next step is, okay, well, based off what the market is saying and what you shared with me, what is the lowest number you would accept? Okay, that's the second swing. Second swing at the plate. You get five strikes here, but there's no strikeouts. You get, uh, you get um, five swings. Okay, based off what the market is saying and what you've shared with me, what is the lowest number you would accept? So if they give a number that you agree to, then go ahead and get the contract signed. Don't waste no more time. Get the contract signed so you can move on to the next stage. Now, if, if you don't agree with the, what the price that they offer, okay, and then it's like, hmm, you know, my biggest goal here, Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, is not to make the biggest profit. Although it is to make a profit, it's not to make the biggest profit. This is my business, this is how I feed my family, so I've gotta make some money. But my bigger goal is to make sure that I am safe and that I don't lose money. And based off the current marketing conditions, and what you're proposing, it's really beyond my risk tolerance. What dollar amount would be doable if I could close quicker? Okay, so now you've introduced another variable into that negotiation. So you're asking them for, again, for 
a, a price if you could close quicker, okay? Because sometimes fast money is better than the slow money, right? So if they if um, the number that they propose and you agree, get the contract signed. If they don't agree, then we're gonna go right here to swing number four. Mr. Seller, you know my biggest goal. You now, you now know my biggest goal. So what is yours? Is it to get the highest price or is it to sell it fast? Find out where their real motivation is. Is it to get the high price or is it to sell it fast? And if you're still unable to reach an agreement at that point, Mr. Seller, I'm sorry. It doesn't look like the market is going to allow us both to get what we want. As a final attempt in creating a win-win scenario for us, what I can do is leave you with this letter of intent. Now you'll see on this letter of intent, it has three options of how I'm prepared to purchase your property. So go ahead, take a look at it and let me know if anything there resonates with you. My number is right there at the bottom of the page if you'd like to call me and discuss further. I'm sorry we haven't been able to find a solution for your problem, but the, let's not give up. Something may come up. Take a look at that. Something, one of those things fit. Give me a call and, I'll, and we'll, we'll make it happen. All right? So you'll notice that we asked here five times, right? Meaning, don't take no for an answer. You've done a lot of work to get to this point. Don't let one no crush it. This seller has a problem. They called you to solve it. And they merely didn't accept your first solution. So that's all it is. So you take five more stabs at solving their problem at least. Now, if you've been unable to reach a solution, then this prospect stays in your database to follow up with at a later date. They basically could become a suspect or maybe like somewhere in between, a hot suspect, all right? But if you were able to reach a solution, meaning you got a contract signed, then we just move on to the next stage. And that next stage is promoting the deal, of which we're going to cover in tomorrow's episode, all righty? But notice this, up to this point, Recognize all deals, all methods, all strategies, all investment classes, they all look the same up to this point. You know, once you've got the property under contract, that's when the differentiation begins. But up to this point, they all look the same. And these two stages, finding the deal and securing the deal, are the most important two for you to master. For if you do, everything else is a piece of cake. You get past these first two stages, everything else is a piece of cake. And I'm stressing these two stages right now, just in case you've been, you know, you've been stressing about, ah, I remember, yeah, where am, I, where am I gonna find the money for all of this, even if it does work? Or, or how am I gonna find cash buyers? How do I build a good, big cash buyers list? Or where am I gonna find a closing agent that's gonna do double escrows? Like if you're thinking about all that stuff, you're, you're putting the cart before the horse, okay? You, you, I want you to focus on finding the deal and securing the deal. These are the two things you got to get straight. And realize that the stress over all that other stuff, it's all just giant wasted emotions. For none of that matters until you're generating enough leads to hit your income goal and you're securing enough deals to hit your income goal. Nothing else matters. So don't stress over step three before you've taken steps one and two. Don't, for, don't worry about stage three, four, five if you haven't mastered and, and gotten through stages one and two. The mystery of step three tends to disappear after you've taken steps one and two. So don't try and figure out three before you've done one and two. Got it? All right, so here, let's run this checklist on how you secure your deals. So uh, number one, do I have a conversation framework to sort prospects from suspects, okay? Do you have a, a conversation framework to sort the prospects from the suspects? Do you have a system for sorting those prospects and suspects? Two, am I always asking the prospect to suggest the price first? 
okay? Make sure you're always asking the prospect to suggest the price first. Number three, am I positioning myself as a problem solver for the prospect's problems? Am I presenting my offers in a way that it's me and the seller versus the world, me and the seller versus the market? Am I positioning myself as a problem solver to solve the prospect's problems? Number four, am I asking to solve the seller's problems at least five times? Okay, you did a lot of work to get to that point. Don't let one no kill the deal, all right? They called you for a solution. And the first one you proposed just wasn't a good fit. So you try to make it fit five more times or four more times, five times total. Number five, am I leaving a written offer or letter of intent with every prospect? You've got to leave something written. You got to leave something in writing with every single prospect, okay? So tomorrow, we uh, we pick up from where we uh, pick up from here we'll, and we'll go ahead and we'll cover how to simply promote the deal. In detail, that means finding cash buyers, finding lenders, finding money partners, uh, finding the person that's going to help you complete the deal in a simple way. You know, up to this point, we've made our money as you make your money when you buy real estate, right? Or, or you secure it, if you will. But you don't get paid until you exit real estate. And so tomorrow's episode will be all about finding the people that will help you exit, that will help you get paid. That we're going to find those people that are going to get you paid. So don't miss tomorrow's episode, right? So now you know what time it is. Yes, it's time to give away this episode's $100 Amazon.com gift card. And I'm going to do this on every episode in November, as I've been sharing with you. And all you have to do to be eligible to win is to go to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast, leave a review for this show. And if you've already left a review at some point in the past, there is nothing for you to do. You are already entered. And if you'd like to enter... Um, this is what you do. You just head over to iTunes, type in Epic Real Estate Investing into the search window, click on the podcast, and hit subscribe, then click ratings and reviews, and there you go. Leave a review. And since we're here right now, I'm going to go ahead and I'll show you how it works. Let me spin the scroll bar. Here we are. Headline says, best real estate podcast, Nick Dana 2001. Matt's content is real and applicable. In six months, I did my first deal already. Well, congratulations, Nick Dana 2001. Um, send me an email to podcast at epicrealestate.com and I'll reply with a $100 amazon.com gift card that you can use for yourself. You can use for your business, um, use it for the holidays, whatever you want. So that's how it works. Every episode in November, I'm going to give one of these away. And uh, if you've already left a review, nothing for you to do. If you'd like to leave a review to enter the contest, go on over to iTunes and do it. Hit the subscribe button, leave a review. Alrighty, so until tomorrow, God bless and to your success, I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. You've been listening to Epic Real Estate Investing, the world's foremost authority on separating the facts from the BS in real estate investing education. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to visit iTunes and share your thoughts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here at Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.